All right. Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we are broadcasting from all over the place. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little rusty on this. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm up in Providence and we're, uh, and you're, you're in Round Rock. In Round Rock. Yes, I got it right. Okay, that's awesome. And we are joined today by a special guest, Robert Jackson, and he's going to talk to us about all things Ember. How you doing, Rob? Hello, hello. Doing well, doing well. All right, so yeah, the first one we're going to talk about is named ARGs, which is RFC 276. What can you tell us about this, Rob? This RFC brings the usage of what we're calling named args into template land. Now, uh, just to be clear, this RFC landed a while ago and is released and included in Ember 3.2, which uh, which has been out for a while now. And basically, what happens is any arguments you pass into your component invocation, like if you invoke some component and you pass like you know post equals you know some value inside the component, you can use curly curly at sign post and that'll like reference the argument passed to you on its own it doesn't seem terribly big but uh, for for those of you that have been around in the sort of space for a while way back in ember 113 we added uh, this thing called adders and it was adders dot like a very similar concept only you'd have adders dot thing passed to you and and this is hopefully the final nail in the coffin of the adders <laughs> thing. And, uh, and effectively what the idea is, in a template, when you're looking at a component template and you see curly curly at sign some name, you can effectively know that nothing is being manipulated in the component's JS uh, around that thing because you're by saying at foo or at post or at whatever, you're saying literally the exact thing passed to me, put it here. Or, or pass it on to some other invocation or whatever you're doing with it. Whereas if you had just done curly curly post uh, in the example that I gave before, you could totally have a computer property for post. You could have manipulated it in your init or your will did receive adders or any of those hooks. So that's like one uh, really nice side effect. Right? Yeah, so like you can not, just not to belabor the, the point of like this.adders, but what were the, the main reasons why this.adders, that solution didn't actually work? Was it just not fully fleshed out or... Yeah, so there were a few problems. The first, and in my mind, the biggest one, is just that at the time, um, during 113 cycle, we were trying to prepare for 2.0. We thought that we had nailed the sort of Glimmer component concept uh, at the time. So we, we went to 113 beta 1. I think we actually included, by default, angle bracket invocation and this the adder stuff. And, and what we found out was that we had lots of problems for example, at that time, the engine that we were using, which was then called HTML bars, but now we refer to that engine as Glimmer version one, <laughs> um, it basically doesn't fundamentally support two-way binding. And therefore, what that meant was for us to effectively add two-way binding, which is pretty important, especially for the 1.x uh, era Ember apps, um, right. What we did to add that was basically in adders, um, when you would access it, you would have either a plain value when it was read-only or this mutable cell thing. I'm doing air quotes you cannot see. Mm -hmm. um, but the mutable cell thing effectively had a value property and an update method. So the problem was at that time, like, so the reason adders wasn't useful at that, that point was largely because magically underneath the hood adders meant a thing and we would the rendering engine would automatically unwrap this mutable cell deal but if you were to access it in the component js you'd see this mutable cell but you'd only see the mutable cell if the value passed to you was uh, read write so if someone did a read only 
argument and pass it to you, then you wouldn't have it wrapped. And it was like massively confusing. Like, when do you have this wrap value? When do you not have the wrap value? Are you really supposed to be mutating in this.adders? Like, like all that stuff, right? That's right. Th- those were the, the big realm of problems. So this feature that we're talking about now, the aimed ar- named arcs, is basically an iteration forward from the, the original idea of adders. This is not accessible in the component JS. This is only the at foo is only accessible in the templates, which means that Glimmer VM itself can do some optimizations. It doesn't have to worry about asking the component for the value. Like it's not getting the value from the component. It's it's just like, hey, I was past this. I know what it is. I'm gonna render it. So that's nice. But it also nicely sidesteps that weird mutable thing, right? Now, it's totally possible that in the future we will bring a thing like args into component space, but it's it's unlike like that'll be another RFC. That's not introduced here. That's totally speculative thing. That concept does exist in the Glimmer component world. Like the standalone Glimmer JS apps, when they have args, they use them like at foo, just like this RFC is talking about. And they also have available in their JS this.args. They're not allowed to mutate that. That's basically a read-only thing. Um, mm-hmm. But it is available. But again, that's like fodder for a future RFC. That's something we're going to probably think about down the line. Cool, cool. Okay, awesome. So the uh, these things are one way by default then, that's correct? Yes, though only at the root. So for example, if you did an input, like curly curly input, and the value equals at post.title or something, that should work, right? Like that's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. It's just no different than doing any other mutation, right? So it's not read-only like all the way down. It's just the, the top-level thing is read-only. Right, right, okay. And the other thing I, I thought was interesting about this is that it seemed like it was a pretty simple change to Ember because it says it was baked into Glimmer VM already, and all it was was really just removing this AST transform that was like specifically disallowing this. Yeah, so ironically, there were two AST transform. One that we had to make sure ran first would parse your templates to see if you had this at sign, and it would throw an error if you had like a named arc. Then a later ASC transform that all all of them run during the compilation of every single template, later in the cycle, we literally transformed curly curly adders.foo into at foo. So <laughs> while we forbade you from doing at foo, we internally leveraged the the system that already had existed in Glimmer VM for quite some time. Like since well before, like at least 2.10, at least number 2.10. Like this the system has existed for having hey, access to the thing past you, essentially. Awesome. Pretty cool. When did those transforms happen? I mean, I would expect those to happen at build time. During build time, when you compile a template, like all templates go through, like basically any add-on or app has Ember CLI HTML mm-hmm. bars as a dependency. That thing then effectively uses Ember's template compiler to compile down the templates from handlebars to what amounts to JavaScript, but is basically JSON data structures. Um, mm-hmm. That's done at, at build time. The AST transforms in here are, are actually built into Ember. Now, it is possible for add-ons to add their own ASC transforms. That's not what we're talking about. We're saying that it's just these are pre-baked into Ember. A decent number of ASC transforms exist in Ember just to give good feedback about mistakes and errors that, that are, exist in a template. For example, if we have runtime errors or deprecations, if you will, we lose completely any knowledge of the exact line number and column number and file name that had the like whatever the problem was. Whereas if we do it in these AST transforms, they happen at build time, so we can give really detailed, like, 
line one, column five. Right. Like, you can't use this symbol, right? So we, whenever possible, we try to add either, like, if we're going to add a deprecation that involves template stuff, we try to make sure to be able to get it into, like, an AST transform level where we can literally tell you exactly where in your template it was. Okay, so so if I'm reading that correctly or understanding that and tracking, that means that the transforms happen at build time. So the like the optimizations you mentioned that the Glimmer VM can do because it knows that there are some guarantees about the at sign in a template. We were already getting those in previous versions of Ember. It's just now we're allowing that to kind of take place in user space. So it's really just kind of so we were only getting the optimizations if you're literally... The only thing we automatically optimized was adders.foo, right? So if you literally had curly curly, A-T-T-R-S dot post or something in oh, your template, see, that's what it was going to okay. for. Because the, the problem is, uh, and this is another RFC that, that isn't on our list to talk about today, but we should totally go dive into it at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that we implicitly look at this, like if you have curly curly foo, uh, you can't tell if that was an argument passed to you or if that is a property on the component instance or or a helper invocation, right? Like there's right. actually no way to disambiguate that in the Glimmer VM or as a human reading the template. <laughs> um, right. So that that's totally another thing. There's a whole other RFC uh, that recently emerged uh, around that. But the reason we can't do the optimization in that case is because you're totally allowed to in your components init, mutate some value, calculate some like compound value or something, and set it on this, and then use that in the template. That's a very common case, right? Or a CP, or any number of things, right? Mm-hmm. So by having this named args, like the at sign in the template, you're basically saying, hey, I don't have any shenanigans going on in the JS, and I am just using what was passed to me. Now, if you combine this with another R- with even another RFC that landed recently, which is the template-only Glimmer Components RFC. Mm-hmm. Um, this lets you use arguments to a component that has no JavaScript, so it doesn't have the ability to fall back to that this lookup, and just use it. Like So those things combined are ultimately going to let us finally, hopefully, deprecate partial completely. But th- that'll be another RFC, don't worry. <laughs> okay. We, right. we haven't written that one yet. We haven't written that one yet. That's just <laughs> that the long-term plan, uh, my personal long-term plan is like a big bonfire and we'll throw some partials into it. I got you. I got you. We've, we've talked about partials quite a bit on this, uh, on this show. I think it actually yielded a few decent conversations, but I think the general prevailing thought of at least, at least me uh, is that partials tend to be really hard to refactor away from and they shouldn't really be used. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, just the fact that they basically assume all the context of where they're invoked. Um, right. What it means is they're generally not reusable because they assume way more about their invocation site than they than a reusable thing should. It also means they have basically no API. Like effectively, you can think of it as a as a component, right? Hey, I'm rendering this other template, zip it, and put it here. But it's a component, quote unquote, with no API. Like you don't pass it anything; it just magically sees whatever's available. It's quite literally eval. Like you don't just take random strings of possible JavaScript and eval them in your JS code. Either, right. Right. Like that's yeah. ev- that's exactly what's happening here. So yeah. Anyways, but there's there are upsides too, right? Like it's very nice to be able to say, hey, I can copy this random HTML snippet. Like say, imagine something with no dynamic bits, something that's like an SVG icon or something. Mm. Um, and you don't want to have to literally paste it in every place you might want to render that thing. That's a not horrible use case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need a component. There's no JS, there's no dynamism. And until recently, until that template-only Glimmer Components feature landed, there was no way to even have something that was effectively outer HTML where the root element didn't, 
like was just in the template, just like Glimmer components are. Like, so there were things that partials provided that were a little bit more annoying to do without. Like, like to do the same sort of thing in a component land, you'd have to say like tag name blank um, with a component JS and that kind of stuff, right? So, right. anyways, yeah, so we're just slowly trying to chip away at what those remaining feature sets are, and and then hopefully make a nice little refactoring tool to to help. Uh, refactor away from remaining partial usage. Cool. Um, one one other thing about the named args, um, I forgot to mention earlier. So because the VM has had support for this for so long, I actually wrote a polyfill um, that allows add-ons to start using the at foo syntax immediately, or apps, and it works back to Ember 2.10. So if you depend on this polyfill, this is uh, Ember named arguments polyfill, it um, is the npm package name. It just makes it work all the way back to a long time ago, basically. Cool. Pretty cool. I wonder how yeah. that works. Are you, are you like removing the transform then? No, I. <laughs> I so a magician never tells us secrets. Uh, <laughs> okay, all right. All no, right. Uh, so basically, what I'm doing is I'm transforming uh, the. So the the at sign was a compile time error before, like that since Ember 2.10 at least. And that was done by an AST transform. So I insert another AST transform ahead of that one that transforms it to adders yeah, dot. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> I, to avoid the error. And then the, the, the third AST transform that I ever mentioned earlier transforms anything with adders dot into at uh, thing. Name. Awesome. So, yes. So, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, and and it, it, the, the other thing is that size is like, I properly detects what Ember version has. Like if it doesn't need to exist, it literally does nothing. Like it doesn't even inject the ASC transform if your Ember version is new enough to not need it, basically. Right. Pretty cool. So it's like it's no cost. It's like <laughs> uh, you know, it only does the thing if it has to, and when it doesn't need it, it doesn't need it. Which which is why it's great for add-ons. Like if if you have an add-on and you just want to like, so my personal goal is that add-ons can always author their templates in the most modern style, and so that would be like this would allow that, right? Because I think people look to the add-on templates to know what to do or how to do things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're going to move on to the next RFC, which is RC213, and this is custom components. This one was pretty cool. I really like this this component manager type that's being introduced. This particular RFC is the sort of foot in the door, the wedge in the door to land like the thing we've talked about for a long time, which is Glimmer components in Ember, but it does it in a way that lets anyone add custom component types. Like, for example, today on um, current Canary builds, which is what will ultimately be Ember 3.4, you could totally author a, a component. You can have your own co- component manager. You can have your own component base class that isn't Ember.component or derived from Ember component at all. Hell, it doesn't even have to be derived from Ember.object. You could just have it be a native ES class, and you could have it have properties similar to Ember component does. Like, you could have hooks that you want you can have it get arguments passed into it and all that stuff. And you control lots of those details in the component manager's own hooks. So you can decide what you want to do. You can decide whether you wanted the component to have, like this adders passed into it in construction time or args or any number of possible things, right? Which is really neat and very abstract. Um, so it's it's a little bit difficult to talk about. But the, the long-term goal is that we can design and develop custom component types that have their own behaviors that are independent of the core framework as long as they can be implemented in terms of the hooks introduced here. Yeah, so uh, can you go into a little bit of how the capabilities and versioning works? Because um, I saw a little bit about how it looks like 
components are kind of going to be split apart into multiple different capabilities that kind of break apart the existing hooks we know about, like yeah, uh, destroy yes. component. So the idea is you would author a component manager, and that component manager declares what capabilities it's coded to. So that, for example, if you release the component manager today for 3.4, it's going to assume that all of the methods that are called in whatever the current exact API is will be what your thing is coded to. Now, if in a future version of Ember, like say we go through another RFC cycle, we add more features, more more possibilities that are possible that you can do, we know what your manager expects and we can polyfill back to that version as needed, right? So for example, one thing that the, the current manager system does is during the create component hook, it passes you a POJO that has all of the named arguments and positional arguments values in it. Now, as you can imagine, pulling on all the values is non-trivial. And sometimes you might write a component that doesn't need to read all the values. Maybe it only needs to read the first one. Like imagine you're writing if and you want to short circuit and you don't want to call, you want to evaluate the later arguments, right? Mm -hmm. um, today, you totally can't do that. You can't do that with a helper. You can't do that component. You just can't, right? But imagine this future world where we write another RFC and add the capability to lazily evaluate the values, right? So if we did that, you would have to opt into it. Um, and when you opt into it, you'd use you'd specify the capabilities of that version. And in this case, it may even be an optional capability where you would say, you know, like, I don't know, lazy reification, or I don't know what the pick some good name. Words are hard, but like some <laughs> some name for the feature, right? And you would you would opt into it. And we can basically iterate forward in this component manager API, supporting existing component managers, but still adding capabilities to get lower level and like speed, performance related things, that kind of stuff. Like you, you could also imagine like we might need to add some features for like component pooling. Like for example, if if you um, like uh, like liquid fire and smoke and mirrors, vertical collection, those, those things all have this component recycling system. And you could imagine maybe we could figure out some special features those things would need to know to call hooks or to have access to when a thing is recycled, for example. Right. right. Um, that, that is an example, I think, in the RFC, though I think I personally think we will need more functionality to really do that system justice. But uh, it's down that path. Mm -hmm. And one of the other ones that was in here was like the, the template list component was in here as an example. Mm -hmm. and it's super simple. You mean the JS like component uh, oh, template sorry, yeah. only? Yeah, template only yeah. component. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like literally just when the hook for like get context or get self, I can't remember what the name of the hook is, but when that's called, you just return null and boom, now you have curly curly this inside that template is just nothing. Right, and it seems like that's how like partials would be implemented, was, would be that mm -hmm. you would just return whatever the context of the thing that called you. Yes, though unfortunately partials have lots of other problems <laughs> in, because, well, just because they're eval, right? It's not that there is no this, it's that there is the this from the caller site. Mm -hmm. um, and in the manager system, you don't have access, you don't know the caller context. Like You don't know the, the current invocation site's this. Right, you'd have to say something like um, partial this or something, or give it, yeah, give it access. Yeah. Now, now, under the hood, this manager system is effectively what is implemented and is used in Ember 2.10+, plus, but we use a much more privileged version because some of the capabilities that, that are needed for like features like curly curly render or or partial are just not possible in this more limited initial RFC API. Now, 
in the long run, we could probably add those features to the public version as well. But the idea was like, get the foot in the door, start the process of making it possible to author these things in add-on space, in user land. And then we can iterate and we can test and we can experiment together, basically. And then the, uh, the other thing I read in here was that uh, add-on authors can actually support multiple different capabilities and different versions, and then those get compiled out to be just the version you actually need when you build, right? Yep. So there is a really great add-on um, that Chris Garrett works on called Ember Compatibility Helpers. And when, when we were going through this RFC, I was, I was also working on some of these crazy AST transforms that I was doing, and it was getting to be pretty annoying to include code for each branch of different supported version, both from a bloat perspective and also reasoning about the code becomes hard. What Ember Compatibility Helpers does is it gives you a import, and you can import from Ember Compatibility Helpers, like GTE from Ember Compatibility Helpers. And you can say, like, ah, if greater than 2.10, do this block. And that conditional is replaced with the literal true or false value. So when minification happens, the conditions that are falsy get completely removed from the code, right? So you can, as an author, you can just write your code and just have either a, a case statement or a like something like that, uh, or a couple of ifs, and author how you want, and then not worry about shipping code for users that aren't using, like say, you know, Ember three one or Ember two ten or something, right? Hmm. Yeah, definitely. The thing is that it, it is intentionally a very low level primitive, right? Like sure. it is not a thing apps are going to do very like right. almost like I would be very surprised if apps did this, right? It's like. Super duper, like add-ons will provide a thing. Like you can imagine, maybe Liquid Fire provides a custom component that is like their base class for their specially transitiony magical saucy stuff. Right. right. Like I, I mm-hmm. don't know, it's a little hand wavy, obviously, but like you can imagine <laughs> something like that, right? You you could also think like this is exactly how we intend to introduce Glimmer components into Ember without landing like a, a an official RFC, right? So Glimmer mm-hmm. components can continue to experiment in Ember apps without needing the the full RFC process, and we can continue to experiment so we can avoid the issues that we had in Ember 113, mm-hmm. right? right? Right. So, like, right. in 113, we thought we were done. We thought we had it all planned, but that was, like, a sort of, I guess you could call it, like, a waterfall session, right? Like, where we, ah, mm-hmm. we designed all the features, we went and did it, the implementation, and then here we go! And it turns out we were very wrong in lots of places. So instead, we want to get, like, we want to get things workable so that they can be experimented on, like outside in real world, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, we get real. We, like, there's like about like every, way more smart people in the Ember ecosystem than me, and I want to know what they think. I want to know what their ideas are, and so we're like the goal here is just to get this in people's hands so we can start making it better. The next uh, RFC we're going to talk about is RFC three one one or angle bracket invocation. Which I suppose this is Glimmer components, Rob. Is that true, or is this just the invocation? It's it's just the invocation side. It changes like the the goal of this RFC is to change absolutely nothing about the thing you're invoking. Um, you're only changing the invocation site. Basically. Okay, right. So now we we add capabilities to the thing you invoke, but the goal is this is just regular Ember components. Like it doesn't require a new paradigm. It doesn't require you right. to change the way you think about the world. It's just the what you already know, this is regular Ember components being invoked with angle brackets, basically. Cool, cool. Could you, uh, could you walk me through what I believe is, it is now known as Splattributes. I feel like that's the thing that I'm <laughs> most interested in it, and I also like the name. Yeah, so to talk about Splattributes, you have to talk about the, the, probably the major difference between 
Engelbrack invocation and curly invocation, and that's the fact that, uh, well, outside that you use angles instead of curlies, and that's that for arguments to the component you're invoking, you prefix those arguments with at. So if you are passing a user argument into a component, you would say at user equals mm-hmm, curly right. curly some value. Whereas if you want to add some decoration to that thing's root element or main element, you would not prefix it with an at, at sign, and that is an attribute, right? So the difference is things that start with an at sign are arguments that you're passing to the component, and it can do whatever it pleases with the value. Like, it's just a value that it can use. Inside of its own template, it can use curly curly at user. Uh, inside its JavaScript space, depending on its component manager, it can use this.user or this.args.user or whatever its component manager interface is. Um, mm-hmm. And like that goes to town, right? But right. the attributes things, things that aren't prefixed with an at sign, that's a whole new category. That's a whole new thing. We don't have that today, right? In curly invocation, everything is an argument. We only can have the ability to pass arguments. We can't differentiate between what's an argument and what's intended to be an attribute. The goal of attributes is that the things you pass there, like say you pass a class or data test food, you know, data foo or something, right? Or test attribute or something like that. You can pass it and you know that that attribute is going to be set on the element, the root element of the component, without the component itself having to add special magical attribute bindings for each possible value, right? This is like a really common problem for people authoring generic components for reuse, especially add-on authors, where like you end up seeing a list of attribute bindings these folks have to write. It's like 20, 30, 40 attributes that they, like everybody PRs their own pet attribute because they just need this thing to be bound. And and this whole thing go like makes that go away, right? So now at the invocation site, you can say, hey, use these attributes on the root element and it just happens automatically. You don't have to do anything. Now, on the inside of the component template, the thing you're invoking, you can use dot, dot, dot attributes to say, hey, put the attributes here also, right? So you can control, like say you're implementing a custom each sort of thing that has some decoration, like a has, like kicks off an OL or something, and then inside you're li- looping over the items, and you want each item to also have those same attributes. In those LIs, I guess, you would be able to say dot, dot, dot attributes, and it would put them in, the, in each of those cases as well. Very cool. So it seems like uh, the the major use case for this is that if you have a, I guess you, you have a componentless template, right? And you you need that that handle to put into the root element, right? Yes. So if you have a componentless template, and that template is not a sort of template only Glimmer component, which is one of the RFCs we talked about before, or we referred to before, the templates of those are outer HTML, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. So the the actual root element is in the template, but normal Ember components, the like you'd say. You know, tag name blank, or you'd have to say tag name blank to do that, right? But yeah, exactly. So if you have a template and you want to customize a class or something, you don't want to have to go, and now that you've added, you want to add a custom class, now you'd have to make a new JS file, add, you know, some special attribute bindings, not for class, but some other props, basically, right? But yeah, that's exactly the point, right? And also, like, you don't want to have to remember every possible sort of area role, for example, right? Like, mm. There's like a lot of them, right? And and you may not imagine that your components being invoked in certain cases where you need all of them, but like, who knows, right? Like people use your stuff, however. So it's just really nice to put directly in the hands of the, the app author, if you will, mm. um, what attributes end up being here. The other thing that looked a little interesting here was that uh, this actually simplifies, I guess, uh, I don't know what you really call that, 
But if you are doing a contextual component, apparently there was some bug before that I, I wasn't even aware of where if you would, you could potentially not be able to render a contextual component because you didn't have a dot and there was some kind of like mm-hmm. rule that you had to have a dot. And this actually yeah. would ease that rule because of the the syntax makes it more clear what's happening, right? Yep, exactly. So so previously there's been bugs, but um, the the rule the dot rule existed specifically to make it so that you couldn't just curly curly invoke any random property and look up everything that you're you specify there. So like if you have a I don't know, if you have a component named foobar and you did curly curly foobar, are we supposed to look up foobar as a local property before we go and resolve the component? Like that's madness, right? Like that's becomes really difficult to manage and think about. So that's what the dot rule was supposed to uh, was supposed to provide. Like if you wanted to look up the local property, you'd say this dot foobar, but otherwise we're going to assume you meant, hey, go invoke this component. But there was a bug where that wasn't true um, in certain Ember versions. So, uh, anyways, this removes the dot rule completely, and it lets you use uh, you can use like with or each or something and yield out effectively a contextual component and just invoke it with angle brackets directly. Yeah, I think uh, the reason why I never came across this was that every example of contextual components I've ever seen, uh, you yield some object that has multiple like named components. And even if I only did one, I always end up following that practice just because it seemed like a best kind of best practice kind of thing. It was a pattern I always seen. And I guess that is actually what was it was it was trying trying to beat this. It was trying to resolve this this problem. Yep, exactly. And I think it seems like I have been in training sessions where where folks are like, I why do I have to yield this object? I only have one value. I, why can't I just yield the value and render it on the outside? And like it's actually really it's a really crazy trap to fall into, right? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't seem different to you. It doesn't seem different to me even, right? It's just there's this arbitrary rule and that's the way it works. So that, that fixes this. Another nice thing is that this RFC allows single word component names. Um, no longer you have to magic come up with some arbitrary prefix or two words where one word makes more sense. Or, or just prefix with one X. word. That was that's the best one. Yeah. Yes. X dash foo. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, so you don't need to do that anymore. You just invoke it with angle brackets and uh, capital letters, like essentially, uh, uh, I don't know, Pascal case. I don't know, initial caps, basically. Mm. And then we know to go and resolve that, basically. Yeah, and it also, I mean, just looking at it, it makes uh, syntax highlighting is so much easier, and it's so much easier to understand. Uh, I think it was put here something like it. Uh, the dynamic parts are really, really stand out, like the the each loops mm-hmm. and things like that. The parts that are actually doing some kind of computation, and the parts that are templates look like HTML. Yep, and, and the, another thing that I really enjoy is like if you have if you're passing an attribute or a, a compound value, you can just use the same techniques you would use in HTML, which is like have a quote and put. Curly curly, some value, you know, close curly curly, a space, some other thing. Whereas before, if you want to do that in a component invocation, you'd have to use like uh, sub expressions, like concat, and the like manual, like you're basically like programming in the template to concat all the stuff together, mm-hmm. which is like really annoying. <laughs> yeah, definitely much easier to, to read and reason about. Yeah, this is super cool. Now, um, just like the, the, so there's some caveats or some issues that we had to iron out as as through the process. And one is that the component names you invoke are, uh, like I said, initial caps. So it has to start with the first capital letter, basically. And we'll, we basically translate that to dasherized on the file system. So the files on disk don't move. Uh, they're still in the same location. Like if you had a foobar component, it's still foo hyphen bar. But you would invoke it with capital F, capital B, no hyphen, right? 
The reason that's important is because we want it to be very interchangeable between curly invocation and angle bracket invocation. The only difference between the two is just the added capability of being able to pass arguments, or sorry, attributes as well as arguments, right? Hmm. Um, so, so it was really, really important that you can interop between the two worlds. As a matter of fact, uh, it was so important that I also wrote a polyfill for this one, and that is that works back to Ember 2.10 as well. And it basically lets app authors or add-on authors use this new syntax, initial caps, the whole the whole thing, including dot dot attributes, to invoke components from their add-ons or apps, um, even if they're not using the most recent versions of Ember. And this uh, this basically hopefully well, it was a ploy on my part to get more people testing the feature and using the feature earlier, basically. So I've had a, a bunch of positive results, uh, lots of various like bug fixes and tweaks and, and understanding corrections and whatnot. This feature, as well as custom components that we just talked about a moment ago, those features are both enabled in what is currently Ember Master, which will become Ember 3.4 as the train cycle flows down the hill. So I think combined, all of these things together, named args, custom components, angle bracket, invocation, really combined to a really nice new mentality for authoring templates. And I, I, I don't know, I, I'm really excited about moving forward and, and having having these things for use in my normal apps that aren't going to use Canary. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. This It seems like this is going to make half of the files, half, well, half the component files I write go away because uh, many times I don't even need a component file. Really, I have no real logic. And if I do, it's like I'm just trying to change the tag name or you know something very simple. It's very nice here to yep. do this in a template. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and and frankly, it feels like that's how it should have been, right? Like, it's like, we don't need two ways to describe HTML, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't need the JS API for the root element and a whole other API, like the handlebars, for the rest of the stuff. That's It's super confusing to explain that. Yeah, definitely. And, and one other thing is, uh, with class here, the example that was given, they show class being passed into some yes. angle bracket. Is that handled specially inside of attributes? Yeah, so... There's a couple of properties around. Basically, there's custom merging strategies here. So class is merged, but everything else is clobbered, basically. So if you pass any attribute from the invocation site that the, the component itself internally also specifies, your value clobbers their value, basically. Um, hmm. Like it, it trumps, trumps the internal value. But class is was considered special, right? So we we merge those values, right? So mm-hmm. uh, effectively, like whatever you pass is added to the class value of the inside. In the long term, I personally would love to see us do something similar with style, but I think that that is quite a bit further off. That mm-hmm. is a whole no- that's a whole other like area of problems that I don't I don't have time to to dig mm-hmm. into you right now. But but like it's it, it's effectively similar, right? Like you can imagine merging styles similarly to how you can merge classes. It's just there's also lots of caveats around security and uh, and whatnot to deal with that aren't true in the class space. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right. Okay, so that's all the time we have this week, although apparently we have another three or four RFCs to talk about coming up. Uh, so hopefully we'll get those <laughs> on the book soon. Uh, thanks, Rob, for, for joining us today. No, thanks for having me. It's great. All right, and so we will see you again sometime in the future.